Hi, Joe with the Gym Life Podcast uh, for a, a late night interview um, for our special athlete interview and coach today because we do coaching interviews as well. Uh, so say hello to Alec uh, Jose and Aaron Murray, uh, you under 72 kilogram world champion. Um, 70, 73 kilo. So is it 73? That's a new class, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have to get used to that. Of course, you don't plan on sticking there much longer. Anyhow, from what we had talked about, we'll, we'll get to that kind of kind of in a little bit here as well. But um, I appreciate you both of you coming on with me tonight. This is a first for me. And I told you that having a coach and an athlete on at the same time, but it's a great thing. And I, I hope we can continue to do this because there's going to be a lot of insights, Jose, I'm sure, or Alec, that you're going to be able to share with us about uh, Aaron's training that, as Aaron and I talked about the other day, may not be as uh, as uh, complete without you. So thank you for joining us. Well, thanks, bud. I appreciate it. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. So Aaron, let's get right to it. Um, you know, I appreciate having you on. And, and after our conversation the other day, we were talking a lot about, you know, kind of what got you into the sport of strong woman. And not unlike a lot of uh, women out there, in particular in the strength sports, uh, I found that you kind of grew up as an introvert and found your way to the lifting community, as opposed to how other women or other men get there through um, more of kind of an athletic background. Your background wasn't quite that at all, was it? Can you can you give us that story? Yeah, so I uh, did not grow up an athlete. My dad tried very hard. He was a sports guy and he, he put me in pretty much every sport that existed and I just hated all of them. I hated them and I was not good at them. So I grew up a musician um, and very academically driven. Um, so when I first went to college, I was originally studying math and French horn performance. Uh, it was kind of my original path. Um, my second year of college, I ended up dropping out for some mental health reasons. Um, and I, I actually started my, my lifting career started with martial arts. So I uh, went to this like um, inpatient eating disorder retreat um, during that time off from school. And we used martial arts as part of the therapy. It was kind of a way of appreciating your body for what it could do instead of what it looked like. And I ended up actually being pretty good at it. And the instructor asked if I wanted to keep training with him privately afterwards. So I did that for a little bit. Um, I liked it, but didn't love it. Uh, I kind of started doing CrossFit as a way to get more in shape for that. But then I kind of preferred CrossFit and I kind of snowballed from there where I liked CrossFit, but I liked the strength components more. Um, so that kind of evolved into powerlifting. And I did powerlifting for like three, three and a half years uh, before I found Strongman and completely fell in love with that. I've been doing that for the past six years. Yeah. And you had mentioned before uh, when I talked to you that, and again, not unlike a lot of men and women that find themselves in the lifting community, particularly the strength community. I mean, you kind of had the eating disorder kind of brought you there. And, uh, you know, we've had a couple people on in the past uh, in interviews that kind of shared that same tone with us and kind of found themselves not just in the lifting community, but world-class athletes like yourself, you know, overcoming that type of disorder and finding themselves at the top of the world. Um, how long did you deal with that? And was that something that, um, you know, that, that are you still battling that? I'm guessing you are a little bit today. Yeah, I think it's not something that ever goes away. Um, I probably struggled with it kind of all through high school without being able to identify what it was. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of all through college and, and still like, I don't, like I said, I don't think that ever goes away. You just learn how to deal with it. And for me, lifting kind of became about finding something that was more important. So even still, like that's always there, but I have something in my life that, that matters more and lifting matters more to me. So that, that takes the priority. Right. Right. Now you're, you're a martial arts. You said you kind of got into that. That's what led you into the whole uh, idea of uh, strength or your, your lifting background. Yeah. Uh, there was, nothing, was there ever anything competitive there? No, that was very brief. That was like 
three months maybe okay. that I kind of kept doing that when I got home and I, I enjoyed it like it was what I needed at the time um but it wasn't something that I stuck with gotcha just kind of opened the door to everything else and then and you yeah. said you stepped into CrossFit just for a bit and hmm. and uh, found yourself all of a sudden under a bar and said I really love this stuff yeah what did you weigh back then when you started powerlifting oh I know that when I started this whole journey i weighed about 125 okay um, so when i started competing in powerlifting i competed at 132 okay and for my first, like the three years i did powerlifting i i went from the 132 class and i kind of jumped each class in my last meet i did at 185. gotcha so it was a progressive thing as you were healing yourself from your disorder you were finding that that good weight was coming on and you were accepting that and you just kind of just moved up the food chain if you will yep. with these weight classes a little bit because i know when you first started in strong woman well i shouldn't say that i don't know when you first started but why don't you share that when you first got into your uh strong man strong woman competitions uh what opened that door and where did you find yourself first i just kind of happened across it so i went to school at um at central in ellensburg washington and Zach McCarley also went there. So I became friends with Zach, just through a friend, um, Zach McCarley and Pat Castelli, both, uh, both phenomenal strongmen. And at one point they just put on a fundraiser because they got competed or they got invited to compete overseas and they put on a fundraiser contest just to raise money for that. And I did it just to help them out. Um, I didn't really intend to, to get sucked into that world, but I did that one show and I was like, shit, this is really fun. And I just kind of started training with Zach and kind of, just got pulled into that world. It's easy to get pulled into strong man or strong woman, isn't it? It's so the rock star version of powerlifting, really, with no pun intended. You know, I, I, I know, uh, Alec, you've got a power, you've got an Olympic lifting background, and you can certainly attest to this. It's like a, going to church sometimes at those Olympic meets. There's not a lot of razz and pizzazz or fireworks going on or anything else. Yeah. It's not like that in other places. Yeah. It, it, what about what about your background, Alec? I mean, we're going to get kind of to the correlation between you and Aaron here shortly. But um, I know that you have a, a, a Olympic background, which really, as we know, in strongman these days, all the top athletes seem to have some type of focus on Olympic training. How did you get into that yourself? And where did that all begin for you down your coaching path when you found yourself with all these, I guess, diversity and strength athletes? Sure. Well, I'll, I'll nix out my own personal competition years and how I got that ball to focus mostly on the Olympic lifting. Uh, after going to college for exercise science, uh, I was an intern at a gym called Peak Performance uh, at the time in New York City. At the time, it was probably considered the greatest personal training studio, probably in North America. It was the only personal training studio, for example, that great strength coaches like Charles Polkin would travel to New York City for. He refused to go anywhere else. Or guys like Pat Davidson went out of there, uh, Ed Williams, Dan Shrink, some like really, I would say, famous strength and conditioning coaches. So uh, during that time, I started doing CrossFit during my study for exercise science after a brief stint in powerlifting. Uh, I enjoyed powerlifting, but it was incredibly boring. And then I did CrossFit just for this and, you know, a little bit of diversity and yeah. stumbled upon Olympic weightlifting through there. Uh, so you know, I did Olympic weightlifting probably from 19 to competing wise, maybe 19 to 25 or so or 24. And uh, during right around, I guess, my 24th or 25th birthday, I started coaching strength athletes that yeah. entire time being a personal trainer. Yeah. Uh, but start coaching strength athletes specifically. So that's pretty much how I found weightlifting. 
So you find yourself right now, you know, I know with Aaron, I mean, you're, you're a big, uh, you know, certainly a big component to her training moving forward. And, and we see a lot of this, uh, you know, uh, powerlifting, or sh- should I say Olympic lifting transfer over to strongman. Did you, did you kind of see that path in the beginning or was it more of just something that you stumbled on and, and found that you loved kind of where you were at in coaching there compared to maybe, you know, other coaching genres? Well, it's interesting because I, I accidentally happened to keep on finding myself now that I kind of look back on my past, I accidentally kept on putting myself in places in which I would learn far more specifically about strength sport training and expression of strength than probably man near anyone my age, I would say at least because I, you know, during my my stint in weightlifting as an athlete, I ended up training and living with some of the greatest coaches, like a coach like Travis Mash, for example. You know, I used to, I literally lived with him at one point and training with his team. And for those who don't know who he is, he's one of the greatest powerlifters at one point ever. And uh, he's arguably one of the greatest modern day strength coaches ever. And why that's relevant to me as a coach is Travis had an unbelievable knowledge of speed development in relation to powerlifting. And he then transferred that over to being one of the greatest American Olympic weightlifting coaches ever. Yeah. Right. So I kind of ended up being around a man that did two different things. And then from there, I went and co- went and worked with another coach that did track and field coaching at a high level, mm. but he was my weightlifting coach. So I ended up learning about power development through him as well and strength development through him and his two different modalities. So I always ended up being in positions where I was constantly around coaches who viewed strength, not so much just from the main sport that they coach, but just from a very overarching umbrella and yeah, multifaceted yeah. approach as an athlete, I kept on being around. And I even lived with that other coach I mentioned. So I lived with both of those gentlemen. Yeah, for, yeah. Uh, so as a coach, you know, I, it's funny, even getting into coaching weightlifting, I never viewed myself as a weightlifting coach. I just viewed myself as a strength coach Yeah. because as far as our strength sport coach specifically. So, uh, and the same thing kind of goes now with strong, strong man, a strong woman. Um, I really don't view myself as a strong man, a strong woman coach. I'm really just a strength sport coach. No. And I, and I think that's kind of the definition of it. Cause Aaron, I know that you are the definition of course, being you're more of a hybrid type. And, and I say that, but it's really not. I mean, we say hybrid now because we, we see these strength coaches of years past and they're very specific to a genre. They didn't really cross lines. Uh, it was all about programming in a specific sport Strongman yeah. being, I guess, somewhat new to the scene in the last 20 years, but strongman programming in particular has really right. only come around in the last few years. Of course, you know, you've been a huge part of that. But Aaron, it's interesting because you are kind of the definition of that new hybrid athlete because your mobility, uh, and if, I, if I catch what you're saying the right way, Alec, you got your, your strength goes along with mobility. It's about being a dynamic strength athlete as opposed to being a static athlete. I would say a little bit more macro than that. I would say my strength as coach has uh, the greatest area in which I'm strong as a coach has specifically to do with my ability to train the body physically in the areas that it needs to get the goal done. And I happen to be around and participate in different enough strength sports to learn different applications. So like, it's just more of an overarching approach more than a very specific thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. It does. Yeah. You can pick through that and find out exactly what, um, uh, yeah, you said it better than I did, I guess. Um, Aaron, you, you, you are in, in define yourself as more of an athlete type of strong woman. Uh, you mentioned to me the other day, you don't find yourself that, 
dominating in any specific movement, but your movement, your domination comes in speed. So if we had a superpower, let's say, and, and if we had our, your, your card, right, we're collecting all these strong women cards, yours no doubt would be speed and mobility. Because uh, you're built like a, you're a different type of build and athlete. I, I, am, I, am I right on by saying that or? I don't necessarily know. I just, I think not necessarily mobility, definitely not. I mm-hmm. suck at that, but um, I would like speed, but just overall, just more overarching. I just think that I move well. Yeah. You know, we were kind of talking yeah. about this the other day that, um, you know, I, I joke that I'm not really the best at anything, but I just don't suck at anything. And that's how you win shows that right. you know, I'm not the strongest out there. And that's okay. Cause it's not about just being the strongest that I'm skilled in the events. Um, and that's what, yeah, that's what it takes. So, you know, I might, I might never have a world record in any one event, but that's not how you win shows. You that's win right. shows by not being bad at any of them. Yeah. 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 That's strong. And that is, that is the sport of strongman. Um, obviously, I mean, we, we look at making sure we stay close to where we need to be to put the points together to win a show. Uh, but is it fair to say though, that your athleticism uh, and you look forward to those events, you would define yourself by saying that those type of events, the movement events, the medleys, the rep events, um, you are going to those more confidently. Well, I shouldn't say confidently. I'm sure you're confident through the whole show, but you know, those seem to be more into your wheelhouse. Yeah, I think so. Like the moving events, medleys, that kind of stuff. I don't know why, for some reason, all my friends make fun of me for being slow. And I don't really know where that comes from because right, I, I don't I'm slow on my feet without weight. But I do I do pretty well, like medley and moving type events. Yeah. Well, with this new weight class with uh, uh, OSG in particular, the U73, I, I was a kilo off there. Uh, you know, you were kind of just made for that this year. I know that you competed as a uh, uh, what is it, uh, in powerlifting or before, prior to that, it was, is it under 83 or under 84? What's the way? 82. 82. Okay. I'm around it. Um, that's kind of where you're at now looking forward as you're saying, you told me the other day, you're, you're looking to put some more, uh, weight on and, 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 and get, uh, to that next class. Is that right? Yeah. And that's the class that I've always competed in. I've always just kind of uh, been on the smaller side. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, and I did well in that class. Now I won nationals in that yeah, division yeah. in 2019 and um, second at the Arnold in that class, but I've always been smaller. Like, um, yeah. you know, some of these girls cut down from like 200 pounds and I, I, I've never really had to cut weight. I usually weighed in at like 175 and the weight class in pounds is 180. So I'm always underweight. Um, and it's been fine because I've, I've done yeah. well. Um, but then this class came up uh, this year and it, it's, it was really more suited to my body type. So it was a fun opportunity. Alec, Alec, I was going to ask you real quick, how, how are you going into her programming then getting ready for 2022 OSG? Because I know that's the, that's the star on the calendar right now, because now you've got some weight to work with there. And I, I'm sure that, you know, your programming, does it change a lot knowing that you're, you're going to be getting this weight on Aaron and just making it more proficient? How are you going into your programming this year for that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Your programming should change in relation to your goals. It's kind of just that simple, right? Um, for Aaron, uh, you know, she has a large cycle, a training cycle ahead of her uh, that will allow, you know, coaches will even speak in like macro cycles, micro cycles, things like that in relation to strength, uh, strength conditioning at the college level. And that's kind of what she has. She has these very large groupings of blocks that are usually in 12 week chunks and then broken down into eight and six and four, in which will have goals in association with each and every block, whether it be micro or macro. Um, and the training will adhere to like basic training principles to get the goal done so if we're gonna kind of talk about that really quickly you know the training continuum there's you know uh, 
muscular endurance, hypertrophy, functional hypertrophy, strength, maximal strength, peaking, right? So along this continuum uh, is how you get someone ready for a show, generally speaking. So for right. her, she's going to live more in the earlier stages of the continuum, which is predominantly um, muscular endurance at the beginning of this year, which is happening now. Uh, and that's going to quickly transition transition into uh, a 12 to 24 week block of hypertrophy ranging from the higher end hypertrophy to closer to what's considered functional hypertrophy which is really just slightly heavier yeah, generally right. speaking right around the mid 70 ish percent if you need a range uh 70 to early, uh, late 70 70 ish percents so uh yeah her training will adhere to that to put on as much size as possible yeah uh, she has a lot of quality tissue to put on yeah and well and it sounds like you guys are giving yourself plenty of time to get there uh, you know, since that's the show that you're pegging on the calendar this year, I mean, really, we're, you know, did they announce the date of that show yet, Aaron? Uh, it'll be in November. It's yeah. almost guessing, right? Same exact time. Almost yeah. the same time every year. Yeah, I know they kind of bought, things were getting kind of jammed around a little bit because of COVID and people were kind of making up with these show dates a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you go, you're going into a longer training block. I mean, essentially, that's what it is, right? I mean, your programming now is, which has got to be nice as a coach. It's got to be really nice as an athlete, too, because a lot of times you don't see that in any of the strength sports. Generally, when you have an athlete of your caliber, Aaron, you, you've, you've got three or four shows pegged on the calendar. You know, there's these different invites now that are going on. But you said right away when I talked to you the other day, listen, this one show is really my main focus. And going in at this weight class, of course, uh, uh, make sure I got it right, under 84, under 84, two, damn, I'm going to get it right before this is over with, I promise you. There's just too much out there. They're changing it constantly. I know. And I just went through the powerlifting thing the other day because they're adding all these new weight classes and changing those too. But yeah. in any case, how is your mindset going forward then, Aaron, over the next, you know, I guess essentially 10 months before, you know, you're getting uh, your opportunity to compete again? Do you feel like a warm-up is necessary? I mean, how, how does that work in your mindset? Because that's not the typical thing for most athletes. Yeah. And it is a tough decision. Cause like, obviously I like competing. It's, it's fun, you know, and the, you know, a lot of other athletes will do several shows throughout the year. Um, and I would love to do that because it's, it's fun to compete, but I just know that the smarter thing to do for this show is to take the year, you know, to get bigger in a smart way and not be, you know, not be on a time crunch to finish it by any certain time, you know, like I got invited to do clash in April and it was a hard decision to turn that down just because that's, it's not the priority right now. And, you know, and that's okay. You know, like I am not realistically going to be able to put on 20 pounds of good tissue by April. Right. It's just, it's just not realistic. Um, and so like having that, you know, the long goal and playing the long game and just trying to make smart decisions with my body is, um, definitely not an easy decision to make, but it's the right one. Well, and it's not like you're not going to be in this sport for, you know, it's not like it's your last year. You got a, a, a quite a promising career ahead of you. So doing it the proper way, I say career, like we make a lot of money doing this, right? I mean, hopefully that'll change. Really <laughs> soon. It, it, we're hopefully going down a different path with that. I know everybody's jockeying to try to make that happen, but we'll see. And I, and I have confidence in our sport. We'll eventually get there to make it uh, worthwhile anyhow. But yeah, I mean, I suppose when you look at it from that perspective, I mean, we're not just, we're not looking at the longevity of these athletes anymore in three to five year windows. And that's kind of the way it was for a long time, because without guys like Alec around and these other sort of new coaches that are on the scene now that are reinventing this whole strongman programming, really the longevity of a strong man or strong woman outside of maybe a few of the most popular names out there, because they lasted longer. You don't, you see a lot more of this thirties, forties, and now 50 plus athletes going in. And I, I don't know, kind of, that's a long ways to look off for you. I get that, Aaron, but Alec, how, how do you, 
I mean, do you attribute that more to the information available and the coaching available? I mean, I know it's kind of a, the answer is going to be yes, yes, and yes for a lot of that stuff, but where would you narrow it down the most when you're seeing the longevity of these athletes and, and watching these, not only uh, uh, strong men and strong women, but also power lifters as we're seeing these master classes just dominate the scene in some cases. It really, at least specifically for strong man and strong woman, it comes down to maturity of sport. You know, when it comes to strong man as a whole, specifically strong man, the sports only existed for about 28 or 31 years. I can't remember exactly. It's a very short amount of time. I believe 1978 was the first world strongest man. Bruce Wilhelm won. Um, and that was for an open class, obviously. And if you think about that in relation to other strength sports, whether it be Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting, we'll use those as examples. Uh, it's incredibly new. It's in its infantile state still to this day. Right. Sports in yeah. So you had athletes training similar to what you described in manners in which it would only last three to five years because there wasn't an overarching theme of proven success established. That wasn't something that happened. So, I mean, yeah, sure. The coaching, but it's really just the sport being around longer and coaches like myself getting involved, you know, prior, you know, again, I was coaching weightlifting and powerlifting and actually even kettlebell sport prior to coaching strongman. And I was using systems from exercise science and other sports that have existed for that some were near a hundred years, right? There's proven ways in which athletes at the highest level could draw out their careers. That's why the whole macro cycle even came from is from ways in which to preserve Olympic literally Olympic athletes right. uh, so they can get to as many games as they can, which we know only comes every four years. Strongman and strong woman is brand new to that concept. So what you're going to start seeing as athletes like Erin, she's 28. She won her title at 28. In theory, if we do it right, and as long as she wants to, could, could still be very successful in winning in her mid to late 30s uh, at the highest of level. And that's purely just because of systems that have been proven to work in other areas already. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it, it gets me on the t thought of how how difficult it may have been in the beginning to, and maybe not, maybe you can lend this, an answer to this with the implement training, because we're not just talking about static lifting when we're talking about, you know, strong men and strong women competitions. Uh, you know, the, it's the implement training. These are odd objects, essentially. I mean, there's, there's, it almost seems like the mechanics of those had to be broken down first. And the result of, of years and years, I guess, compiling this data of how performances were and who performed well and where the injuries took place. So you can kind of identify, uh, you know, the proper programming for these implements. How do you and Aaron train those implements right now? How do you work them into this, especially this long cycle that you got going on for the next 10 months prior to her next competition? You want to take uh, that, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, who, either one. Uh, right. His planning. So yeah. really, when it comes down, you got it depends on who you, one. It depends on who you're working with. Are you working with someone at literally the highest of level or beginner or intermediate, right? So yes. for the sake of conversation, we'll keep it to more highest of level. Yes. That's what we're doing right now. So when it comes to developing an athlete to be proficient at a particular event, whether it be log, stone, deadlift, whatever, uh, beyond at that point, they better be skillful at that event already. So I'm right. going to assume right. that athlete's already skillful. Once the athlete is skillful in the event, uh, you have to be brutally proficient in terms of movement qualities and all things that support move, uh, support that event tangentially. So what does that even mean? So if we're talking about a, a stone load, for example, 
you know, what do we think about in terms of like the body mechanics in relation to a stone load? Where is it being loaded? What's how is a way to express that strength? Well, it's definitely have to be a whole lot of low trap and lumbar strength initially to pick it off the ground. You better have proficient quads in order to get it to break the floor first from the lap position. What's going to be working well, your ankle mobility, your ankle mobility is going to be working really hard in that position from there. You have to stand up through your midfoot while keeping the stone back just slightly behind the midfoot keep scooping your hips back under. So that's extension of the knees, ankles, and hips. And once you're reaching high, it's expression of like an isometric hold, essentially of your lats, yeah. and then finally bring it up to the load, right? So what do you do to train all that? Well, you have to find movements that mock that move uh, at um, movement kind of in a way, and then just apply basic exercise science. So, you know, for a good stone load exercise are things like pin front squats, pause back squats, even barbell glute bridges, depending on if there is of athletes weaker in the glutes, even just isometric symmetric holds of the implement in and of itself will condition to you for uh, proficiency in that. So once you're already skilled, it's your job as an athlete and a coach to build up every surrounding area associated with that event that doesn't limit your mobility, more importantly, right. and to hand that down. That's pretty yeah. much. Uh, now <laughs> I picture, I picture this being posted tomorrow and people are going to rewind this like a thousand times and listen to exactly what you said over and over again. Because that's a lot to take in for a lot of people out there that are training. I love it. I, I'm actually, I, I love it. I'm getting a smile out of it. And I, Aaron, I, I'm, that's why you have a coach, right? Because it just, the way Alec just broke that down is elementary to him. But for a lot of people that are getting into this sport and trying to figure out or navigate that programming, I mean, that's the basic principles of it. You just sort of laid it out with the stone, of course, but apply that to any other implement. And that's exactly where you're going to be the same. Were you about to say? You're gonna say yeah, something? I would say it's, it's interesting. He, he chose to talk about stones because, yeah. like, this prep specifically for OSG, you know, I had a little bit of an injury that that happened a few months out that actually kept me from training stones. So we didn't train stones at all until about three weeks before the contest, oh, wow. and we just found like other movements that that complemented it that, to work the same movements without actually having to do the event, and that and like that was actually the only event that I I straight out won the whole show she needed you know. to win it as well yeah well which is crazy right because you would think going into that with that thought and if you were to look at yourself from a different perspective you think no way this could happen but it did because the training led you down that path last stone was a pr as well she never lifted it what was the weight on that 300 wow okay yeah that's a big stone for sure what is that what is a what is a 300 stone for i mean is it the, the circumference generally the same in in pro women strongman than it is in in men's so they yeah. don't generally switch yeah, it's a big rock, isn't it? it? was a 20 inch diameter, I'm sure, on that 300, probably. Yeah, it looks like you got some pretty good arms, though, to get around that, I'm guessing, Aaron. I got short little arms. Held yeah, to you look taller in your pictures. You look just so athletic in your pictures, like you should be, like, uh, you know, I don't know. I look at you kind of like almost, you have a build like a, I'm going to insult you now, and I don't mean to, but more like a figure build. You know, you got these lanky limbs, but how tall are you? Five, six. Five, six. Okay. So, you know, you're, you're right kind of in the, in the wheelhouse of, of a competition. Five, seven. I'm five, six. I have five, six and a half. I'm exactly. Right. So what you're saying is she's taller than you in the gym right now. She's taller in general in every, yeah. in every location. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Aaron, let me, let's go back to your competition history because when you first started out in strong woman, you know, I, I've kind of tried to do my research and go back a little bit and find out where exactly you started with all this. And it, it, my, my roadblock was coming at the Arnold when, or nationals. When you won nationals, that was strongman corp, right? When you won nationals and then you went on to the Arnold the next year and you took, uh, it looked like a silver in the Arnold, right? Or a second place in the podium. Who did you lose to that year? Sorry. What was that? Who did you lose to at the Arnold that year? 
Melissa Peacock. Okay, I, that was a you got a t- that was a tough class, wasn't it? That was a really yeah. good show. Half a point. Half a point. Loss. Tough competition. I got second oh. place by like half a point. It was really yeah. close. I, I thought I, I didn't go back to see who was competing, but when I saw 2019, I know there was a lot of tremendous athletes coming up right about then as well. Kind of the same beat every single pro middleweight except for one in North America, and now except for Nadia now because she's a new pro. So yeah. Only two hasn't beat yet. Really? Yeah, that's crazy. Middleweight, not in the 73s. What did you do prior to that? Where did where did your amateur, um, I guess, leading leading up to nationals? What was your um, a stretch of shows leading? Uh, I guess in years leading up to that. Yeah. So I mean, my Starman career has been relatively long. Um, I didn't kind of have one of these like meteoric rises that, you know, you see some of these girls come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, the year that I won was my third nationals. So I had started about four years prior to that. Um, and I kind of just played that game that, you know, local show nationals, Arnold, right. you know, every right. year for three years, you know, I did yeah. local shows around here and I just kind of climbed up my first nationals. I got seventh place. So, you know, I did well, I qualified for the Arnold. It wasn't, um, I mean, it obviously didn't podium or anything, but you know, did decent. I got seventh place. Um, my second nationals, I got fifth place. And then the third time around, I won. So uh, just a good old fashioned natural progression. You just start learning the implements better, learning how to compete better. Uh, it would, is it safe to say, even at the pro level, I mean, or even at the amateur level as you're coming up, and I did quite a few amateur shows, not a whole lot's changed, but is there a contest prep now? And what I mean by that is, more of learning how to compete is there a lot more emphasis put on that today than maybe in days 10 on 100 years ago when i did this stuff because a lot of guys and gals would step into the arena and it was really it was really not about their strength and athleticism that they were losing it was more about learning how to compete because strong woman strong man that's a very difficult thing to pull off a show sometimes you might get through the first couple events on a high you know in the high adrenaline and not learning how to control that and getting through your shows. Did you find that was difficult to do in the beginning? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm, I'm glad that it's taken me so long to get to this point because you do learn a lot that you can be totally skilled, like skillful and strong enough to win a show and still not win. Just, you know, if you're new to the sport and you make rookie mistakes and, you know, you're not used to that environment. And um, those are things that are just as important as the training but you can't really train for that, you know, unless you've just put yourself in that environment repeatedly. Um, it's not really something that you can prepare for any other way than just doing it. Um, yeah. And I asked that question because of your, of, because of your competition history, I, I just get the impression you just got better and better, not only in stronger in, in, in implements, but just better at competing in general. I'm sure yeah. when you look back at some of your old competitions, you're like, yeah, I lost this because of this. And it, it yeah. may not be as glaring as missing the fifth stone, but it could have just been, I shit the bed because I didn't have my energy right, my pre, my contest prep right. Um, Alec, do you participate in that now with her? I mean, is that a part of your game plan going into competitions on being there for her? And how do you manage those shows? Yeah. One of the biggest things I talked about with Erin when she started with me was ways in which she's lost some of the bigger shows that she specifically the Arnold that she should have won. Um, I didn't coach her for the Arnold nor her national wins. I coached her for her world title win. And I had seen Erin for years at that point as an athlete. And um, I'm very analytical. I I like digging deep on, I originally went to school for journalism and exercise science. Like the way my brain thinks, I'm constantly just trying to break things down. And I'd already at least broke down what I thought was her issue was just her headspace. It's certain, certain events, not even just the whole show. 
Right. Uh, like the Arnold, for example, she lost, she lost that event because she made a rookie mistake that she had consistently made fairly frequently. Would you say on the yoke, you know, what is that? Uh, share that mistake with me. Uh, you know, just looking down, like stop looking gotcha. down gotcha. as the line gets closer. And because you're excited, you're about to finish, you know, treating it like just a systematic approach the whole time. So one thing we talked about going into worlds was, uh, which ended up working out in her favor in many different ways was creating a persona of uh, the greatest version of yourself and embodying that and not competing as Aaron. Aaron is dead on the competition floor is this new person. And she did that through her face paint on, on yeah. the competition. That's something that I talked to her yeah, about that yeah. I try doing mm-hmm. and you know, how that go for you. It went really well. I think most shows that I've done, especially kind of as I progress through my career, it's become more and more apparent that I act very different at shows that I do in, in real life. You know, I think most of my friends that have seen me at shows would agree with that, that I always kind of flip a switch and I'm in a very different headspace. Um, but I'm still myself and I, I get nervous and I make, you know, nervous mistakes. And so this idea of like the, the war paint and actually becoming someone else um, yeah. was actually really powerful and really helped that, um, you know, I think it probably makes me come across kind of bitchy at contests. Well, it is, you, we are talking about the bitch here. So, you know, yeah. the, <laughs> the bitch, yeah. You know, like, like I very much got into this headspace where I'm like, I am not myself. And like, I don't necessarily yeah. want to socialize and chat. Like I'm there to do a job. Um, and it actually was the plan to just do it for the first day and it went really well and like it went well for myself. And then it seemed to also just be a hit with the, you know, spectators yeah. that had decided to carry it into day two also. And it, I guess it's my thing now. Yeah. I, I, I think it is your thing. Yeah. And I love it actually, because you, you're right. I mean, for you, it was something entirely different, but what I love about that is, and I love that right your headspace and, and, and Alec, you just said it and broke it down, you know, beautifully. I mean, you had to find some way to flip that switch and essentially you did. And, and now it's your persona, but as a consumer, we love that stuff. I mean, that's why we love strong man and strong woman. We are, we are seeing these, these people that aren't real, I, I guess, in the sense where you're superheroes almost, and you got to feel that way in competition as well, I'm sure. And I know it's an ego driven thing to some degree. And I know a lot of us are modest and where we've come from in these strength sports, but you found that now through the bitch. And I'll keep saying that. And that's how I'm going to advertise it. Where did the war paint thing come up? I mean, you could have went in a lot of different directions with this. What inspired the Viking look in which I love? Well, just the makeup in general, like I kind of happened into doing makeup as, as, as a quarantine hobby last yeah. was two years ago now. Special effects makeup, you mean, right? I well, I, when, I, when I originally got into it, it was kind of through like a social media group that we kind of stayed connected through doing yeah. makeup. And um, like everything I do in my life, I dove into it because anything worth doing is worth doing 100%. And I learned everything I could about it. And that kind of snowballed into... Yeah. I started with like beauty makeup and then I kind of, now I do like special effects type makeup and it's something that I just really love to do. I so for me, it was kind of like a, like a dual thing that, you know, the makeup and the new persona was cool, but it was also just a really calming way for me to start the day. You know, I would yeah. you know, put on music and spend some time with myself and just kind of get centered and calm down. And it was a good way for me to get into a good headspace even prior to being at the venue. Yeah, let's talk about that headspace for a minute a little bit more because I'm real big on the meditation myself and and I, or or some type of you know working within yourself like that. And you know, Alex, you mentioned that they use the word headspace, and I love that. Is is how coachable is that? Um, you know, because it's it's I ask you, Alec, because coming from my perspective, that's not an easy thing to get across to somebody to try to tell them how to 
you know, get into that space and, and, and really turn it into a power. I mean, where did you learn that? And, and that seems to be kind of a new thing for the genre, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I would say where I learned it was, uh, honestly, coaches like Travis Mash and Dan Trink and uh, even coaches like Dave Spitz, all weightlifting coaches and strength condition coaches. And what you'll notice is in the most successful Olympic weightlifting teams in the world, the, 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 most, the most common denominator outside of programming is atmosphere. And the one thing a coach is absolutely in charge of is the atmosphere that you create around your athletes and that they feed into and then make it even more powerful and an atmosphere that I completely believe in and full heartedly really just will die on a hill is, is really the mission statement of the company RP 11, my team is just all things strength. And if you get a little deeper on that beyond the surface level of like, Oh, we do all things really well. It's just everything you do and how you think has to come from a place of strength. And what I encourage in people is, as a coach, like you, you have to learn what it is to create a system, a system of approach that no matter how you feel good or bad, because both, both are irrelevant. If you stick to the system, the results that you want will happen. And through that, you learn essentially self-mastery and self-mastery creates an environment of more confidence you could ever possibly think of because you've proved to yourself through a systematic approach, which I'm, what I'm describing by them takes years. Sure, um, sure. But the end result is this. Yeah. And you it's in, in any little bit you do helps. I mean, you know, we, we talk about that on an amateur level, even with some athletes that I deal with, not any type of proficient coaching like you just on a real basic level and talking to young people is, you know, we were always referred to it as flipping the switch. And I think we can all attest that we've heard that once or twice throughout our lifting careers, but that switch is a bigger space. It's not just, yeah, well, it's uh, not even the contest. And yeah, that's right. That's right. You on this, we're going to say, I would just say like off of that, you know, you talking about just like trusting the system and, and being confident. And I think, yeah, part of being, being able to go to that headspace is being confident. And I, I think I can say that this is the first show I ever went into totally confident that, you know, I didn't really look up any of the other girls that were going to be there. I didn't, you know, I tried not to look at their training cause it didn't really matter because I went into the show knowing that I could not possibly be more prepared than I was. And I've never felt that going into a show. So there's ones that I felt better or worse going into, but I'm always a little bit nervous. I'm not sure how a certain events going to go or how I'm going to stack up. And this is the first time that I went in, feeling really confident and just knowing that I did everything right. Um, and I think that really helps with getting into that headspace that, you know, obviously there's still nerves there, but the nerves were not due to lack of preparation. You know, it's interesting you say that because isn't that funny? I mean, leading up to that show and you can certainly attest to it because no doubt you, you kind of just mentioned you've done it where we look up our competition, right? I mean, what's the purpose of that really? Because, you know, and you just kind of said it, I, I'm prepared. I don't need to worry about that anymore. And you're right. You're at a top level, both physically and mentally at that point, when you can just not even look at, you know, who's showing up at a show, knowing that your best is going to, you know, ultimately, you know, win out one way or the other. Yeah. And that's why it's nice. Like, it's been nice having him as my coach because he ta- he does that. Like, he can creep on everyone else and see what everyone else is doing. And he right. knows what I need to do. And I don't have to worry about that. And it's like, yeah. it's just nice for me to, like, I, I'm just going to, do my job. And that's all I have to do. And then, yeah, and then, I think that's awesome. You know, let's talk about OSG real, real quick too, because I think that's worth mentioning. I mean, you're a world champion. Um, you know, that's, that's just awesome in itself and the title of that. And 
I guess, is there, do you feel there's a responsibility with that? We always hear about that, the champion's responsibility, right? So now you're leading, right? Everybody's eyes are on you. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like, you know, do you go in, and, and this may be a question for the both of you, being a coach of a champion, and then of course, being a champion at a high level like this, how did, how did getting through OSG and coming out as the world champion, where are you at now in your mind? I mean, how does that make you feel? I mean, there's the, you know, pressure to keep performing well. I think, you know, coming off that show, I had a little bit of this sense of like, well, shit, there's nowhere to go, but down. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. How do you cope with that? And that, I mean, it's, it's still there. That never goes away. But the only thing that I can do with that is choose how hard I'm going to work to make it not happen. And that's, that's completely within my power. So, you know, it, it does kind of suck, but it's also a really cool opportunity to do some really cool things. And I know that I have the work ethic to do it. So, yeah. And Alec, how do you approach that as a coach? Um, is, is there a certain, I mean, I guess one athlete to the next doesn't change much in your perspectives, but uh, you know, when you're at a level that you're at right now, as a, as a, as a, as a team, how, how does that, does anything change for you? No, I mean, I think what ends up happening to a lot of people is once they get to certain positions like this, they end up changing things. So they feel like they have to. Right. Ultimately, what the system does works. And I'm very confident at this. I mean, I coached, I brought seven, I think I brought six to Worlds and all six were in the top five. Like what I, the system works. Right. So coach, I'm not going to change anything. If anything, I'll look back on what could have been improved and modify those because there's always something. But no, I don't feel any more... Uh, the pressure I feel as a coach has nothing to do with the competitions themselves. Yeah. The only pressures I feel as a coach is to make sure I am always delivering the best product I possibly can to my higher end athletes, uh, all my athletes. But like I'm at this point, I mostly coach higher end people, which is super cool, but uh, just deliver the same quality as frequent as I can. And to quite frankly, be there for them more than, any other coach would um yeah that's it like yeah. i can confidently say i did more than any other coach last year i yeah. can confidently say that because the results speak for that so for me it's just keep doing what i'm doing and be willing to make certain personal sacrifices to make sure the results that we want happen Aaron. Yeah, I mean, back at last year like i mean my overhead came a long way and a big part of that is due to, I remember when I first started with him, we did drills at home every single night with like a broomstick Yeah, and he'd grab, be on FaceTime with me, like working on these super boring drills, you know, because that's what needed to happen. You know, right. I, like that's just something I needed to do to get better and something that he needed to help me with. And it wasn't fun for either of us, I'm sure, but it was a lot of time spent. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I've never worked with someone else that would put it in that sort of time. Yeah. I, 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 um, I know now getting up to the 82 class, got it right finally, right? Did I just get it right or I just not? You got it. Yeah, you okay, got it. Okay, I was like, geez, I'm caught in my powerlifting kgs right now. Um, yeah, because, and speaking of pressing, because you're moving up a weight class, I mean, you're going into the lion's den. You, I mean, you know that. I mean, I know you probably haven't given it much thought since training started, but you know who your competition is. Yep. I, I mean, you are definitely stepping up you know, your, your game, because that is, that is the dragon's den, I guess you can say. Uh, there's a lot of big pressers in that class. I mean, it goes without saying, right. Get a little bigger, get a little stronger. You how pressed most of them already. I, I was just going to ask you, how was your pressing going? Because I, I know your form is impeccable. Yeah. We've, we've, you know, 
huge improvements on that last year. I think there's only two, put, there's only two women in that class. I got out pressing. I think so. Yeah. It's only two. We put uh 30 pounds on my log in oh. the, you know, six months that we, we worked towards it, you know, while losing weight, you know, we were cutting weight all last year too. So we're able to significantly increase my overhead, you know, while also cutting classes. So I'm excited to see where that it is. That is nice. Right. And when you're, when you're, when you're not quite to the weight you want to be at and you're already putting up those numbers and making those improvements, that's just got to be a lot to look forward to as you kind of put this quality lean muscle back on. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see that because that class is, I've, I know a couple of them and, and I've interviewed one of them and or a couple of them. And that's just to me, my favorite class. So I'm so glad you're doing that. And, and uh, you know, thanks for doing it for me, Aaron. Um, but yeah, that that's awesome. I think it's really cool. And I, but I'm glad there's a diversity in classes, of course, as well, because it really gives not only men now, but or women now, but men have always had it to some degree, an opportunity to progress within their training and, and not worry about, you know, I guess when I started back in the strongman corp days, it was really two classes. You had 105 and under 105 and above. And there are a lot of people get lost in that sort of abyss of where do I fall? Do I cut or do I compete against these heavyweights and get blown out of the water? So I'm sure there's a certain appreciation to that. But what have you seen the biggest in the year four or five years of competing now? I guess it's probably about five years now, right? Going into 2022. Strong women. Is it about that? Um, strong women in um, the United States. It, it, it was, it's kind of been the forgotten sport for a while. Um, I think trying to identify it or to get the pulse of it's been really difficult, probably up until last year, in my opinion. And I've spent kind of time, especially with the podcast, really trying to figure it out because obviously it's got some catching up to do to the European scene and the tightness of that scene over there. But can we talk about the American scene a little bit? And what are your thoughts on that? How do you see it progressing? What are some of the big changes that you've seen? And what are the, some of the hurdles that you feel like still need to be overcome? I'll play some more question for you. I, I just kind of put my nose down and train and show. I know you do. I'll come up with one or two <laughs> answers specifically for your questions for you. But Alec, do you have a, you, can you uh, lend your thoughts to that? Yeah. I mean, the reality is, and I only have these opinions because I came from something else. I came from a different sports and sport and sporting background that was already established. Like I said, almost near hundred years in terms in the form of weightlifting and really the, if we're going to be totally honest, like the problem with strong women specifically in this country and why it's not at least near equal level to a uh, strong man or even other sports like powerlifting, what have you is simply, if I'm being frank, laziness, yeah. laziness on, on the behalf of those who run the major federations. Uh, and the answer you always hear when there's not money put in, or there's not a class included, because most people don't know this, the 73 kilo class is not new. That class has been around for five years. Really? Yeah, I, I yeah. thought it was new. Yeah, okay. Not new at all. It's been around in North America for five or six years at every nationals as a set 160 pound woman national champion. And no one gives a fuck about it. Why? Because it's not promoted. Right. And they've never given it a, a pro card. And the problem with that is, you know, it's kind of the issue of like, you know, what you'll hear when talking to those at the top about this. And they'll say, oh, well, there's not enough people, which is fl frankly not true. Uh, if you were to look at, you know, I've, and I've had to do all the research on this. If, if you look at the, the mean average weight of every female strength athlete across powerlifting, weightlifting, kettlebell sport, uh, another, and I forgot one other one, um, the mean average weight is 73 kilos. Yeah. So, and it's the most popular class amongst all those strength sports in terms of population and superstars. You know, if I were to ask you right now, name one famous Olympic female weightlifter in the, from the U S who would you say? 
I, I couldn't name one. I mean, some a lot of people would say people like Maddie Rogers. Okay, right? I, I or, know the name. Yeah, I mean you know that name or Kate Nye, right? All women in the same class, the equivalency. Or you know, if you want to talk powerlifting, everyone knows who Steffi Cohen is, and people okay. like that. Yeah. And in strongman, they would make the argument of, oh, there's no, there's no people, or people don't want to watch that. Well, clearly they do. Look at all these other sports, which sure. by the way are inherently far less, bo- far more boring than strongman and strongwoman. Very boring sports, weightlifting and powerlifting. Absolutely. And they have these superstars. So you're going to tell me that there's not going to be a superstar or a population in an inherently far more interesting sport doesn't add up. What it comes down to is just, you know, uncomfortability. And, you know, I get it to promote a new class at a national show and fear that not people are going to sign up and you waste your money. I I get why they don't inherently want to, but that is why that is purely what it comes down to. And, um, you know, uh, that's changing, you know, the benefit. Well, what's great now is that's completely going away uh, for the most part. Um, and that's exciting because it just means that the totality of the sport's going to grow in a way that just isn't this odd obsession with the open class. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, when you, when you started and, and that's a great take on it too. And I totally mirror those thoughts. So hundred percent, a hundred percent I do. And, and, and then some actually, and we, we can go on and on and talk about what could better this sport on a lot of different levels, particularly women's strongman. But Aaron, when you first started out competing, I mean, how big were the classes? I mean, do you, do you remember looking back and having thoughts of, of like, where's my competition? Was there competition? Did you find yourself one of three women or did you, were there bigger classes back five years ago on the, on the West coast there when you were doing these shows? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that there's, there's always, at least in, as long as I've been here, there's been a pretty good charming community here. Yeah. Um, that's not common. Um, I just kind of got lucky no. with really yeah. good environment that there, when I first started, there were two other women, uh, Rachel Bennett and Alicia Odin, you know, we were training partners and the three of us trained together. We did a lot of the same shows. We went to nationals together three years in a row. And like, I just got really lucky because most of the women that I know in the sport never had that. And they trained by themselves or they trained with right. men. Um, so I just lucked out, um, you know, and we, we kind of, we've evolved. We started in a, a CrossFit gym. We had a bunch of strongman equipment in the back corner of CrossFit gym. And we trained there for a couple of years. And I used to, you know, I drove over to the peninsula once a month, uh, like, you know, two hour drive away to go to a different strongman gym. And that's kind of how we started and, and, and we've grown. And so now we have a location uh, about 45 minutes South of me that we've been uh, building for the past couple of years, uh, dungeon strength. Okay. And we have a phenomenal strongman setup and community there and a lot of people that are involved in it. So I don't know if that's necessarily common everywhere, but we we actually have a pretty great community. Yeah, it's getting there. That's for sure. I mean, just from the, the reach that I have kind of in my bubble, I see it kind of growing as a, the contingency is growing as a community, both with men and women. I see it more with women today. I think maybe because my eyes on that a little bit more, see the evolution of that side of the sport that I've championed it on, uh, much like you do, Alec. I want to see it grow because I think there's a bigger audience for that uh, than, honestly, I think it's as big as the men by easily. I have no doubt in my mind. Statistically speaking, it is in other sports. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, there you go. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that one bit. Uh, I went to an amateur show this summer, and I've, I've talked about it a thousand times, uh, Great Lakes Strongest Man, which was up in Traverse City, Michigan. Uh, great promoter up there. We've got a lot of great up-and-coming amateur promoters, which I love, and that's a huge part of this equation. I think we can all agree when we get these better promoters, and I don't knock any promoter. I, I appreciate everybody's effort they put into this sport and all lifting sports because we need as much love as we can get. But, you know, this, this was a great show. I think there were 60 or 70 amateur women there which I was blown away by. Uh, Many of them came from the CrossFit community that you just mentioned, which 
let's face it. I mean, God forbid if any of these CrossFit guys that are on a high level or CrossFit women on a high level came over to strong men and strong women. Oh, I hope boy. they do. I hope they do too. But those paychecks just aren't quite there yet. If you <laughs> look at that rogue challenge, you know, but uh, wow, I, I'm super impressed. It's almost like they're, they're ready made. Uh, well, that, uh, now I'm not to interrupt you, pardon me, but no, uh, no, no. 90 kilo world champion last uh, in 2019, Naramo Ahi was a CrossFit Games athlete. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, n- no surprise, right? They're yeah. they're ready made for this sport. Everything yeah. they do is it's essentially a, a a larger version of what we do in strongman and strongwoman, as far as a, an event goes per se, with reps and, and weight and all that kind of stuff. So, it's, yeah, it's just you know very light uh, strongman. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, listen, I, I said it on my very first podcast. We the strength communities, uh, both powerlifting strongman in particular, owe a big thanks to CrossFit and what they've done to not just fitness and, and lifting athletics in general, but they've certainly brought a lot more attention to the scene, which I appreciate the heck out of. Mm-hmm. Um, what about diet nutrition? Let's talk, well, let's not get there yet. Let's talk about maintenance. Uh, I know maintenance has become a large sort of uh, uh, it's, it's a, it's as big of a plate of, of, of information nowadays that's out there about maintenance as it is about training and, and, and programming. How do you work that in Alec with Aaron in particular is there a certain maintenance program that you adhere to uh, as you're going to be moving through this year? Maintenance in terms of uh, food, uh, calories? No, ma- let's start with kind of more of the um, body maintenance. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, really kind of in terms of like, you know, keeping the nuts and bolts together, body maintenance, that is always addressed year round, if I'm being honest. Right. Like there are certain warm up protocols specific to each athlete that I coach and a general theme overall that they're just doing year round every time they train. Uh, uh, but like I mentioned earlier, you know, the training, uh, it's phasic, you know, I, I wouldn't, I would say there's probably never an area of training that I would describe as maintenance, but I would just say they're in a different part of the continuum that I described earlier. Yeah. Uh, that way there's always something to be progressed because for example, after a big show like worlds or nationals, even or whatever that athlete may be in their career, you know, they've gone through that full continuum that I mentioned, and they're going to go back to the beginning. Now, if there's someone that's been with me for years, we could look at the metrics at the last time they were at the beginning of that uh, training matrix. And if they're exceeding it compared to the last time, we know that their new maintenance or their new start position is already better than they've ever been. And it feels just as easy. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I'm going to say. What, what do you do for, uh, what do you do for like uh, uh, general, uh, uh, I guess, wellness um, when it comes to your program? So like for mobility and things, are you doing a lot of I mean, obviously, you know, we talk about the basics, right? Stretching and massage and, you know, yeah. all that type of, all those type of things. Uh, is, there, is there a particular path that you take as a coach to pass along your athletes? Or do you kind of let them sort that out a little bit on their own? Really, the only thing I ask of my athletes, especially like Aaron, the higher level ones, is to maintain uh, weekly stretching habits in the form of like, you know, you can use an application like ROM water, some sort of systematic approach to mobility. Yeah. Uh, in conjunction with stability, you can't just have mobility without it. Uh, but besides that and following the program as to a T, there really isn't too much more they need to do. Like those are the things you need to do for general means of the body. I mean, in, in the warmups, there's always going to be some sort of, uh, you know, dynamic stretching in conjunction with a static stretch in conjunction with a stability exercise. There's always that theme that I always have in all the warmups. Yeah. 
embrace whatever it is that we're trying gotcha. to do. Gotcha. But besides that, no, it's not too much. Like it's athletic maturity. It's do your do your mobility drills. Do your warm up period. Right, it's a part of the process going in the programming. It's not necessarily something that's added on. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's in there. Right, Aaron. Aaron, did you deal with a lot of uh, issues coming up before you had Alec on board? When it comes to like uh, any any type of real hangups when it came to your training, did, were you susceptible to injury? Did you have injuries going in? And how has that changed for you since you you brought Alec on board? I mean, is it as as have you identified these areas and talk about maybe a few of them that you dealt with that you kind of had a tough time getting through? Yeah, so I've had a couple injuries. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I've stayed relatively injury free, um, but I have had a couple. I. I I like tore my SI joint pretty bad, like four years ago. And that probably will always give me problems. Um, that was kind of due to just poor planning, poor training, um, you know, adding in things at the time that I didn't need to be adding in, you know, in, you know, hindsight's 2020. Um, so, you know, still dealing with that. Uh, I've had some shoulder issues really that's, you know, comes down to lack of mobility and some issues with that. I mean, my, um, but I mean, ultimately the, the past, you know, up until this year, I've done most of my own training, you know, I'm also a coach and I've kind of handled myself and for the most part, I've known what works for my body enough to stay generally healthy. Um, I've worked with a couple different coaches since, you know, a couple different training styles that I, you know, liked and disliked more than others. Um, but I will say this year is, is definitely the healthiest I've been kind of overall. Yeah. You know, uh, I think having someone else right for oh, it was always smart because it, it's hard to make yourself do all the right things and just having someone that has an objective view of what you need. Yeah. There's gotta be just a great sense of relief in your mind right now, knowing that the guy sitting to your right, there is somebody who's kind of got all this in your best interest already. And now your job simply is to, to perform, uh, you know, get out there and, and put in the work every single day and get yourself ready for competition. Um, who in the sport, Aaron, I know we talked about a couple people out there, but as you've kind of came through the strong woman community, uh, are there, is there a circle of, of, of people that you've reached out to that are your friends with within the strong woman community, uh, that, that you guys have always kind of had a sisterhood sort of bouncing ideas off one another, things of that nature. Honestly, for me, it's been Rachel and Alicia from here, you know, like, I have, you know, friends from you know, across the country that, you know, I'll hang out with that shows, but for the most part, uh, Rachel and Alicia have been my, my squad for the past six years. And, you know, we are kind of doing different things now and we're always training for the same shows, but, you know, they're the two that always have my back and we've always kind of, you know, collaborated on That's training it. stuff, you know, ever since I started. Very good show. Yeah. They're both phenomenal athletes also. Yeah. It's just going to be amazing watching everybody kind of come up and I hear these names and I record them in my head as you talk, because I know in some of my past interviews, you know, these names have slipped out and all of a sudden you're seeing these like Annabelle Chapman, when I talked to Rhea and watching her performance over the last 12 months has just been fantastic. Do you pay much attention to the scene over there across the pond, if you will? Me personally? Yeah. The athletes over there, do you, you pay much attention to that? Just as a fan of, of the sport, I guess I'm asking, because I'm sure that you, you probably enjoy the sport from a, a, a fan standpoint as you do as much as a competitor. Yeah. And I mean, we'll like, I'll watch shows, you know, for fun, like yeah. I'll watch strongman contests the way that people watch football games. And so I, I like watching it as a spectator. Yeah. Um, I don't know like nearly as much like details about, you know, athletes and he's got all the stats and everything. And yeah. that's, I don't get in as, involved in it as, as this guy does, but you know, I enjoy watching it for sure. Yeah. How about you, Alec? Do you pay much attention to the uh, scene over in Europe? 
Oh, I do. I'm actually really good friends with a lot of them. Luke Davies is a phenomenal coach and arguably the biggest promoter in the UK. He's one of my best friends. Oh, really? So I talk, okay. Yeah, I talked to him all. It's Rhiannon's boyfriend. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I talk yep. to him literally every day. Oh, and awesome. I'm, I'm aware of what his athletes are doing and what Luke's doing. And uh, I coach Dean McVie. He's the highest ranked 80 kilo European man. So he's from Scotland. So, you know, I talk to okay. a bunch of those guys fairly frequently. I'm actually sponsoring Britain's Strongest Man this year. So. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a, at least as active as I can. I'm fairly active in my community. Yeah, as much as you can be, right? I mean, you're halfway around the world living over on the West Coast right now. But, you know, I, I'm a big fan of that. Strongest man this year, so that'll be cool. Oh, you're going out there? Yeah, I have an athlete competing in it, so I'll be Oh, there. so you will be there. Wow, that'd be great. That, that would be one hell of a show to see. I mean, this spectating out there is just phenomenal when you see those stadiums. And, I, I, I you know, I got my fingers crossed for that scene here in the, in the United States. It's going to happen. It's happening. It will. I agree with you. It's, and it's not as far as people think. It just requires good promoting. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, it's nice to see competition in that realm right now. I think we can all agree. I mean, to take nothing good. away from the sport. Yeah, it's great for the sport. You know, Strongman Corp. And, and I love Dion and Willie and what they did in the early days. And now, of course, they're doing it separate. And, and Anthony coming on board and providing some great contests yeah. for these pros. We and need more of it. Lynn Morehouse, you know, what he's doing with OSG is it's paramount. You know, without Lynn Morehouse, I don't know where the sport would be. Oh, boy. Well, we'd still be looking at it on ESPN every Sunday on reruns, watching refrigerator carries and shit, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that's what we'd be seeing right now. And it's it's nice to see it over here in the United States take a real foothold in the last few years in particular. And I, you can argue that it's kind of been trending for a while, but I think we're seeing a bit more light shed on it. Maybe because there's so much access to it now, like shows and podcasts and training and coaching and things that we can reach out now. And how did you find uh, Alec, Aaron? I didn't ask you that when we talked the other day. How did, how did this relationship come about? I just started looking at other athletes that were doing well and who worked with them and kind of looking at their training styles and, you know, you know, watching their athletes and what their athletes did. And um, I just, you know, it's, obvious he has you, you know, stumbled across this guy huh? Like and Alex, you said, i'm gonna come well. out the, i'm gonna come out the washington <laughs> I mean, yeah well i like i you know i think i mentioned to you prior to the interview i i travel a lot yeah just to coach like just to coach not even for contests i mean i i travel a lot to yeah. coach people and um you know when, when an athlete like aaron reaches out to me i was incredibly excited uh, you know, at that point I had coached quite a few really successful, strong women specifically. Um, and I knew how good Aaron was before I ever met her. Um, you know, I've seen her destroy, you know, all the best 82 kilo women, very undersized in this country multiple times. Uh, and, you know, so when she reached out to me asking for coaching, I was like, yeah, of course, absolutely. And yeah, yeah. Um, easy decision on your part, I'm sure. Yeah. And it happened to be the same year that I sponsored the 73 kilo women's world's show. What was she? I sponsored that. So I was like, the timing couldn't have been more impeccable. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of all works out in the end, doesn't it? I saw that you were at, uh, um, you were down at the battle axe with uh, Derek Owens uh, recently. You did a seminar down there, huh? Yeah. I did a seminar at Derek Owens battle axe gym. I coached Derek. Okay. Uh, oh, you do. I do. I coached Derek. He took seventh place, 90 kilo men's at Worlds this year. Yeah, I did great. I, I interviewed Derek not too long ago. I really love what Derek's doing. Shout out to you, Derek, uh, what you're doing in the sport. I mean, a great gym owner, a great promoter. He's one of those promoters that I had mentioned that is really doing a great job in uh, taking the sport to the next level. And, and we've got a couple over here as well. So that's that's great. 
Uh, Aaron, talk a little bit. I don't want to leave this out because this is pretty important. And Alec, of course, you'll probably Aaron will probably look at you and go, "Go ahead, Alec, tell her, tell us everything we need to know about this." But but your nutrition and programming, uh, specifically your nutrition. I mean, you're talking about a weight gain of what roughly 20 pounds or so uh, over the next uh, 10 months, and and that's a progression, of course. But what are you doing nutritionally? Uh, well, I mean, I also have a nutrition coach, so I mean, he yes. tells oh, you me. do. Okay, that was the question. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah. there you go in a roundabout way. Are, are doing that. Yeah, so I have a coach. Uh, Spencer King is his name. He's from around here, a little further south than me. But yeah, that's just I just do what I'm told in that. You know, especially like just with my own history, I don't necessarily trust myself to yeah. uh, handle my own diet. So it's just one of the, like it's just another like he gives me my training program and I do what I'm told. And Spencer gives me my my meal plan and I do what I'm told. So. Yeah, none of us like handling handling our own diet. It would be filled with a lot of shit we shouldn't be eating. <laughs> but you're talking about gaining 20 pounds of lean muscle over the next 10 months. So there's got to be a lot of cons- consumption involved here. I'm guessing. Uh, a uh, very systematic approach to that uh, is it can you without kind of getting into detail because he's not here is that I mean where do you know a little bit about where your macros are at with that do you, are you more yeah, like, yeah okay Go ahead. Chino. yeah so like all of most of last year especially like the last six months of prep he gave me a very specific meal plan where he told me exactly what to eat so he would he wouldn't give me macros he'd be like okay you're gonna wake up and eat two pieces of toast and three eggs. And like, like I just ate exactly what he said yeah. uh, right now, just for like more of a mental break. Um, we're just going off of calories and protein gotcha. um, just cause I, I need a break from that for a little bit. So like right now I'm at 3,500 calories and 200 grams of protein in a day. And like, those are just kind of like my baseline goals yeah. that, that I'm hitting right now. And I, I'm just kind of free to fill that in how I wish. That's an incredible amount of food. Yeah. I, I, oh my God. 3,500 calories a day. Clean calories. Yeah. Uh, that's mostly, yeah, mostly clean. Wow. Yeah. And you're sitting, where's your body weight right now? I'm at 166 now. So Goodness. of course, last year I spent the entire year trying to get down to 160 and my weight stuck at around 172 and we had to water cut the rest. And then, yeah. and, and now back to real life, I'm like sitting at like 165. I'm like, well, shit, this is what we were trying to do all last year. And yeah, my yeah. body my body wouldn't do it and now it will, but oh, there you go. I know, right. It's finally, it's finally turning on, you know, after the fact, but it's gotta be nice going up to that weight class now, because now you, you're kind of walking into it as opposed to coming down it. Cause I think what we see a lot, if, if I'm not mistaken, and you probably have as well is there's a lot of cutting going on right now in strongman, which I think is counterintuitive to the idea that, well, first off, if you don't have good people in your corner, like Alex and other nutrition or other coaches and nutrition coaches, most of these men and women are not doing it properly. Anyhow which of course is suffering in their strength and performance. Well, do you see a lot of that on the women's side of things? I'd say at the level that I'm at now, most people have coaches. Yeah, that's true. Very very few people at this level are doing it by themselves. And for the most part, people are doing it pretty smartly, but I did see that more in earlier years, people not really knowing what they were doing. Well, how do you, how do you look at that amateur scene now? Do you, do you, do you take a little peek back every now and then and just kind of see how things are going and, the, and not necessarily from a competition standpoint, but I'm sure you kind of, you know, always kind of, you know, got that in your mind because you're associated with the sport so closely there on the West coast. I mean, are there things you're seeing that uh, maybe uh, make you scratch your head a little bit, or are you pretty happy with what you're seeing? I mean, kind of give me an overall barometer of what Aaron Murray has to think about kind of the up and coming women's strength community in, in, in particular strong women. Oh, for me, like, cause my involvement in it now is really just as a coach that I have a bunch of women that I, I coach now that want to compete. 
Um, and at least at the level that they're competing, it's all still new and exciting. And yeah. it, you know, it's just for fun. No one's doing drastic weight cuts or, you know, these like ridiculous preps because most of the people that I work with that are doing it are just doing it for fun because they want to feel good and they want to do something cool and lift rocks with their friends. And, yeah. Yeah. um, and there's a part of me that kind of misses that about the sport that it's, it's really just for fun yeah. and like, everyone's excited about doing it. And I know there's kind of like that in between, you know, these like you know, novice shows where everyone's just there to have a good time and like worlds, which is this end of the spectrum. And, you know, there's, I don't really pay attention as much to the in-between because it's not where I'm involved, but you know, that all of, you know, my female clients that are competing still are in that new excited phase, which is fun for me. It's got to be fun still connected to that as a coach, because it's a nice reminder to you mentally to sit back and enjoy this sport. Uh, and to really sort of remember the way it used to be and don't forget that. And I think we see the competitive nature of this sometimes flip on us. It actually is, you know, it's not as, it doesn't make us as productive as we used to be from a mind standpoint, because we put so much pressure on ourselves to perform, but for you to be connected to that still as a coach, uh, that's got to kind of level you a little bit, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, I love it. And I love going to those contests. And of course, I always still stress out because coaching is just as stressful yeah, yeah, as yeah. in a good but way, though. Yeah, It's fun to be part of that environment still that I think a little bit part of what I missed from my earlier years was the sense of community that it was always just, you know, getting together, competing with your friends. And I think that kind of gets a little bit lost as people take it more seriously at the higher levels. And so it's nice to be part of that just fun yeah. environment again every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's great that you're doing that, too. So Alec, what's, uh, what's coming up with you, man? Let's, let's do a little promoting of your company here. I, 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 lo- I really love what I'm hearing from you today. I, I think you're one of those young up and coming or you're there up and coming, you're coaching world champions, but ultimately the type of service that you provide and the type of guy you are being real analytical and you have this real cool, calm demeanor. You know, I, I interviewed Taylor Gone the other day. I don't know if you know, Taylor Gone. uh, he does powerlifting Ben Pollock's one of his guys. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's a very eccentric character. I love him to death. And in your own right, you're a bit eccentric too. I can tell you've got this real introverted type of appeal to you. Um, if you don't mind me saying, and I love it. Um, uh, where do you, do you see yourself fitting into this sort of new sort of spectrum of, of strength coaching uh, this to redefine what it really is about? Do you, do you ever look at yourself and kind of step back and go, you know, my, what's my responsibility to the, the strength community? Uh, do you ever take that kind of perspective of yourself? It's all that I think about every yeah. day. I mean, she could attest to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I have very acute goals for myself in relation to strength sports um, that I will get done. You know, for me, it's just a matter of time and uh, emotional pre- preparation. But yeah, you know, in relation to what I'm trying to do, uh, simply put, one, I, for me, I, my goal is to be the greatest strongman coach there's ever been period like no discussion i would like to be one of the greatest strength conditioning coaches period and uh primary goal really the third one is to grow the sport beyond its own perceived limits um you know that's my involvement in organizing things and and helping the sport grow be a bit more apparent this year i'll say without talking about it too much. Yeah. But my goal is to grow this sport to an unbelievable place um, because I believe through it, we could get the greatest feats of human potential in the form of strength. I don't think there's another sport that challenges people like that. Yeah. And I, I think it's safe to say we're in a period of time that's 
we legitimately can have that conversation and say we can witness it. Uh, we're, yeah, we're, we're lucky. We're very lucky. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. We're really in that special place. And Aaron, you're a perfect example of that. I mean, all of all of you pro strong women at the at the at the uh, where you're at in competition right now, it's just it's breaking down barriers. And I don't mean that from a female standpoint. Uh, just you know, from a standpoint of we never thought that the human body can do the things it's doing right now. Uh, you know, it's amazing me. I, I, I keep going back to last year. One of the big moments for me was uh, at Clash when Melissa Peacock did that overhead press. And yeah, I think it was two I was there. I loaded the bar. Digit. So, and you know what I'm talking I, about. There was I was a responsible. Where, I was responsible for all the weights loaded for the world records that weekend. So you can verify it is the truth. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. You know, cause that was a moment for me when I saw that video, I thought, man, I would have never thought I would have saw that. Like that yeah. wasn't, you know what I mean? Did you have the same feeling Alec, when you saw that lift, like you were like, wow, I just witnessed something real special here. No, no, because I, I'm coming from a different sport where that, is the standard like seeing having right. a, by a standard i mean having an opportunity to see right. world class feats yeah. and anything i was just elated that strong woman and strong man is finally being uh taking itself up to that okay. level yeah. opportunities. Okay. i was excited i wasn't yeah. surprised at all yeah and uh, that's a better better perspective i like your perspective on it because you're right for the strong man and strong woman community that was very special because we, we're finally getting to that point now where, yeah, it's a relative part of the conversation now when we go, oh, wow, these feats are and, and we're getting freak performances now that we wouldn't have, that never would have had attention. Like Aaron, for example, statistically speaking, was the best strong man or woman at Worlds this year. She was the only athlete in the open age divisions that did not place worse than third place in every single event. Yeah. What worlds there wasn't, I can't even think of a recent world strongest man in the last 10 years where someone did that. No. So, I mean, right. you can be humble pie about it, but I don't give a yeah. fuck what anyone says. She's at least in my opinion, one of the greatest strong man or woman alive right now. Yeah. Well, there's a reason I have her on the show right now. It's not because yeah. of that war pain. I'm going to tell you right now, although that's cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm obviously uh, super yeah, biased. You're, no. you're rounded. I mean, I, I've said that in the beginning, since I've started watching you perform, I mean, and maybe in the beginning when I'm saying, well, you're just so athletic and that's your superpower. It was really more of a, a, a generalized statement, meaning that there's really not a weak link in your, in your chain or in your armor. I mean, you, you I want to talk about what's that <laughs> not one we're willing to talk about no no of course not we're not going to give in <laughs> no, at all. But, you know if you, if you watch your training online i mean i you know hey listen whatever it is you guys are going to figure it out i'm not even worried about that i mean you seem to have a very cohesive mindset going forward into the next uh you know 10 or 12 months here so well listen aaron is there anything that you would like to say or, or you know any thought that comes across your mind that you want my millions of listeners to hear you say and i say that joking tongue-in-cheek of course uh but, you know, I, I want to give you the pla give you the floor for a minute if there's anything you wanted to say about the community, strong woman, your training, uh, you know, people around you, uh, you know, have you get the last word here. Ooh, put me on the spot. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, just what I want is for the sport to grow, like at the high level. But, you know, it, it starts from the, the base level. And I think that just comes with people wanting to be involved in it, whether that's wanting to watch, wanting to participate. Um you know, I just highly encourage everyone to try the sports. You know, most of the clients that I work with didn't necessarily start because they wanted to do strongman, but almost all of them do strongman now because yeah. they tried it once and they were like, shit, this is really fun. Yeah. And I just, I will, I just, I hope that more people try it out and realize that it's a really cool sport and, and want to be part of making it a, a really awesome thing. 
Well, you, well, you're certainly one of the faces that's leading this revolution. I, I, you know, you are, and, and it's great to see the scene being represented so well by the characters like yourself with so much passion for the sport, uh, you know, and being able to represent at a high level. I mean, you, you practice what you preach and you're, you know, you're not afraid to get out in the front and kind of lead the way a little bit, which is what I love about you the most. Uh, and I, I know Alex was thinking the same thing right now. You know, you're a special oh, yeah. individual. I love it. I don't have to tell you that. Uh, but I think you need to hear it more because I think you're really, it's going to be special to watch this. And I'm so excited about that 82 for you next year. I can't get my mind off it. Uh, and first off, to see what you're going to look like at, at 180 some pounds, you're going to be like a mass monster. Yeah. Trying to be a 180 with abs. Oh, I, I think, yeah, I don't think you have any problem with that. I saw those abs. They're not going anywhere. It's funny. Most people don't realize the 82 girls, the height difference is not that great. Like, uh, like not like she's bigger than Nadia. The current 82 world champion. Yeah, yeah. She's pretty short, actually, isn't she? She's like five, yeah, yeah. five, five, four. She's five, five. Yeah. And even the frame, like, you know, those 82 girls are just very condensed. It's, oh, it's I, very yeah, powerful. my favorite class by far. I just very love power. A fun. lot of power. A lot of power. Well, well Aaron, I'm sure you're going to bring it. I have no doubt because the guy sitting to your right is, is a pretty special guy himself. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll pat him on the back for sure. Alec. Listen, man, I'm so glad I had an opportunity to meet you today as well. And, and I, I know we're going to cross paths at some of these events coming up. And uh, I want you both to, you know, come back on with me and follow up with me because I, I, you got a lot of stuff you want to uh, hopefully you want to share. And I know a lot of people that want to hear it. So thanks for being on the Gym Life podcast today. And uh, again, great, great luck to the upcoming year. And I have no doubt that it's going to be a success. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Buddy. Uh, you're welcome, man. Thank, Thank you. you.